Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the High Side News Podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded and released on a slightly different day this week, as we are recording on a Friday evening, literally 10 minutes or so after the first day of practice for the 2023 MotoGP season at Portimao's ended. Uh, but before we get into it, I just want to say a word about Paula Spargro, who crashed heavily at Turn 10 in the second practice session today and was taken away in an ambulance. Uh, it was reported that he was conscious at the circuit, but apparently he does have chest and back trauma, but will be further examined at a hospital. Uh, I'm sure that all of our thoughts are with Paul right now, and hopefully he'll be okay and on the road to recovery soon uh, with whatever his injuries may potentially be. Uh, joining me once again this evening to talk to you all about the opening day of practice for MotoGP is once again Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Uh, Jack, ha- hope you're well, mate. MotoGP bikes are back on track, and it's a wonderful sight, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, the weather at the start of the day didn't help things, but it was good to see the bikes back on track. Hmm. Dawn, MotoGP's back. Uh, was it a good way to, to start your Friday with seeing the Moto3 bikes out? Yes, it was lovely. Got up this morning with a spring in my step. <laughs> I know that uh, that's how I felt as well when I remembered that MotoGP was back, and it's always good to have it. Uh Right, let's let's get into it then. Let's talk about today's practice session for the MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3 riders. And uh, we'll get into our predictions for this weekend and the season uh, a bit later on in the show. Uh, let's go straight in with straight into the Moto3 uh, combined practice times from session one and session two. Uh, I think we start with a man who tops it for the, the Tech3 Red Bull KTM rider of Holgado. Setting a a, a one forty seven point three two lap time. Holgado looked he looked good all day today. I thought, and uh, I know a lot of people have been tipping him towards being a a standout rider this weekend and potentially a championship challenger uh, throughout the season. Jack, what have you you thought of Holgado in pre season and into today? Yeah, he's took it very well. He's taken the Guevara approach of just going out by himself and not really bothering with anything, anyone else but himself. He's shown good race pace. And I think with him going from the Irish squad to the Tech 12 squad, I think that'll just give him a bit of a, an oomph of motivation to prove he shouldn't have been taken out of the Irish squad. Dawn, were you surprised to see Holgado up towards the top of the timesheets today? Or was it uh, sort of expected now he has a year of experience under his belt? I suppose, yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, but I have got him, actually, I'll, one of my predictions is my dark horse, Moto3. So he was just proving my point right, really, and he's just got stronger as the day's gone on. Yeah, he, uh, he was looking good, definitely, in a, in the second practice session today. Uh, looking down the order, a rider that, um, I don't know if you would have seen it on the MotoGP social media channels, but uh, Marrera was one that uh, was rated highly by the, the MotoGP boys, with a few of them putting him down as a potential Moto3 champion come the end of the season. He finds himself in second place at the end of the, the opening day of practice. And I have to say, I like I like Marrera. I think he's he's a talented rider and he, he has quality about him, definitely. But I didn't expect him to see him so far up so quickly. I thought he'd come along uh, throughout the season. Don, what have you made of... Uh, Marrera in his time in uh, Moto3 so far, because it's also his second season. Yes, like you say, very well. I didn't expect him to be so far up, especially when you've got the likes of Onchu, who's outside the top 10. Mm. So yeah, he's really got his uh, first weekend off to a great start. 
yeah, uh, another rider, which uh, I, I'm glad to see up there, but I'm, uh, I'm a bit surprised about it. If you look a bit further down in ninth, and Jack, I'll go to you for this one. Scott Ogden, uh, a welcome surprise to see Scott up in this inside the top 10. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the morning, the Hondas in general struggled. I think there was a lack of rear grip for some strange reason with the Hondas. But come the afternoon session, a bit more temperature, just more grip. And Scott was um, constantly one of the top Hondas in the session and proving his pace from pre-season is sort of translating into the practice sessions. And we just hope that uh, he can consolidate this Q2 spot tomorrow and get some get a decent qualifying position for Sunday's race. Yeah, I think we all we all like Scott Ogden. We uh we all want him to do well this season, obviously, with it being his his second year with the uh Vision Track racing team and uh he started the season off well and like Jack said he was he was strong in, in pre season at Portimao and Haref and uh hopefully it won't be a one off with uh with this session hopefully go well and towards the end of last season both him and Josh Watley sort of dropped off a bit. You could see in the flyaways, whether it's, you know, with the first year they had to experience the flyaways and the team's first year with experiencing a full Moto3 season in the flyaways. So it's good to see that back in Europe, a long winter training session, he's been busy out in Spain and he's right up towards the top end, which is good to see. Uh, Dawn, his teammate, we'll go straight to the other Brit in Moto3, his teammate Josh Watley down in uh, 27th, still chipping away at things. Uh, 1.8 seconds off top spot. What what have you thought of uh, of Josh today? Yeah, I suppose he'd be disappointed in that. He'd want more and we've just sort of discussed him. I don't think he's got too much of a threat around him, but perhaps next year there might be a, a Brit or someone to replace him. But I really think that Joshua really needs to pull a little bit, at least get to try and 15th place. He does need to be stronger, but it's only day one, so we'll just see if what he can pull out the bag for tomorrow. Yeah, Jack, what have you thought of of Josh as well? Where uh, you know he is, he is pretty much a, a second off of his his teammate, really. Yeah, it's a bit strange because we saw last season he was progressively getting closer and closer to Scott, but session by session, and you know now the gap is one point one seconds, so. Who knows what what is the cause for the big gap, but hopefully Josh can start gaining. You will know, see Scott State to understand where the time's won and lost, so he'll be able to uh, hopefully find that lap time tomorrow. Mm, yeah, it would be good to see Josh up there as well, and hopefully he will be able to uh, to catch his teammate. Uh, we'll go back up towards the the top of the timesheets with a rider that a lot of people maybe. I think there's going to be mixed feelings on David Mignot. Let's just put it that way. I think some people will really like him, and I think other people won't be a fan of his erratic riding style is probably the best way to put it. He finished today in, in third place, and uh, Jack, honestly, I'm I'm not surprised to see him up there. He's a he's a very talented young rider, isn't he? Yeah, he's very fast, very aggressive. That's what we saw last season, and he's, I think he's still 16, so uh, yeah, it's looking good for... For him and as well his teammate uh, Carrasco was really was quite strong in the opening session. I think quite improved in the second one, but the Boe Motorsports uh, KTM team they've looked have made quite a step in in the right direction. Yeah, Dom, what, what do you think of Munoz? Because I know, like I said, there'll be there'll be mixed opinions on him as as a rider. 
Um, I just think, like you say, he's only 16, he's young, he's got a lot to learn, but there must be so much pressure on them that they want to prove something, they want to be at the top. Sometimes it can make them ride erratically. So I think once he gets to mature a little bit, I think, yeah, we, we could see a future champion there, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely has bags load of talent. We've, uh, we can all see that. Uh, just behind Munyoff in the, the standings today was Ayumu Sasaki and one that I know a lot of people and probably is the when you look at it compared to last year the favorite for this year's ch- title where he was fourth last year in the championship uh Foggia, Garcia and Guevara have all moved up to, to Moto2 now and Sasaki sitting in fourth place uh, a good opening day wasn't it Dawn from the, the Japanese rider really Yes, definitely. Nice and steady for day one. I think he'd be pleased with that. Hmm. A rider as well that I've got down as a dark horse. I'll tell you that now for Moto3. Ortola. I uh, I wasn't expecting to see him up in fifth today. Uh, the young the young Spaniard uh, putting in some good work with the uh, Angelus uh, MTA team. And you know a strong opening day from him ahead of the likes of Kaito Toba, who, Jack, honestly, I, I didn't expect to see up there today after... A shaky start uh, this morning in, in practice one. Yeah, he's changed squads again for this season. He's now moved to the Siege 58's Quadricorsa team. Hmm. But he is notoriously known for his strong re- opening round. You know, he won his first and only race at Qatar a few years ago. And usually, if he does get a podium, it will be in the first round of the season. So, be interested to see if. Uh, Kaito can continue this trend. Hmm. I'll ask you this now because Kaito Toba, I forget really how young he still is. He's only 22 years of age. He, uh, he's he been around in Moto3 now since 2017. And I know a lot of people would have opinions on Kaito, but what, what do you think of him as a rider? Because honestly, he's not really set the world alight in, in Moto3 yet. And he's he's been in some good squads. Yeah, it's just, I think... For whatever reason, he's a bit inconsistent. There's, you know, there'll be some rounds where he will be the strongest one. There's some rounds where he can barely get inside the top twenty. So it's, it's a it's a confusing one, but hopefully he can find a direction and stay in a in a good place. Hmm. Uh, just just looking through now, seeing who else stands out to me from uh today's session in Moto Three. Uh, Joel Kelso is one that uh is up there and with the CF Moto Racing Bristol GP squad in a seventh place. I thought it was a good opening day from Joel. I know uh, Jack Miller picked him as his uh, championship favourite for Moto3. Definitely some Australian bias coming in there from Jack, but who can blame him? Jack clearly knows what he's what he's talking about after today, and we'll uh, we'll get back to Jack a, a bit later on. Dawn, what do you think of, uh, of Joel Kelso as a whole? Because also another rider who's in his second season in, in Moto3 now and also joining a new team. Yeah, and uh, with Jack Miller as a bit of an inspiration, you'd like to think he'd go far, because looking down, I think is he the only Australian in Moto3? I think he might be. Yeah, I think he is actually. Yeah, yeah, that's a real good good effort for day one. And look forward to seeing what he'll do in the race, if he can get you know, perhaps a second row, third row start on Sunday. Yeah, Joel Kelso, one that I'm, I'm actually just looking at and I'm surprised at his age. He's only 19 years old at the moment. I thought he was a, a little bit older, but uh, it's good to see him up there with the, the CF Moto squad and both himself 
and um, his teammate Artigas were looking very strong this morning, weren't they, Jack? Both the, the Spaniard and the Australian were right up towards the, the sharp end. Yeah, I mean, the Proustal team are very, um, a, sol- a very solid team when you think back to when they nearly won the title with Pizzecchi in 2018. So it's a solid squad. Artigas, a, you know, a, a, a multiple-time junior GP winner and nearly champion. Joel Carlos are the same. So they're coming from the, the Spanish scene and very competitive that we've seen with numerous names in the past few years. If you win that championship, most likely going to be strong when it comes to Moto3 and those two are starting to show it. Hmm. Now the four, well, I guess I guess three strong riders that I, I want to talk about here quickly is Jawa Masia, Tatsuki Suzuki and Dennis Onchu. 12th, 13th and 14th. Three riders that really you could say are championship potential and do look like they, they could win the title this year, finally, for all three of them. Uh, Dawn, a, a, a rough opening day for really three title favourites in 12th, 13th and 14th. Definitely. And then if you look who's in 15th place, Ruede, and he's a rookie. Mm. So I think that really does stand out that they really have had a poor day. Definitely. I think Onchu was stronger in uh, P1 just seems to have lost it in the p2 for some reason yeah jack Onchu uh definitely a surprise joining the io squad now what uh what, what have you made of his his first day really as a, a proper io rider in in the racing season well it just seemed to me that him and raider were just glued together all session on both sessions and just to me they never looked like they went for a straight out lap and just seemed to maybe focus focus on pure race pace and even though we tend to see motor three races, you can practice race pace all you want, but the race pace will generally be quite a lot slower than the practice sessions. But if they, if all, if those three have been just focusing on race pace, it's a good sign. If they've actually had tried to do a quali lap, they might be in a bit of trouble. But we we have to wait till tomorrow morning to find out what exactly their place is in the pecking order. Now I'm I'm going to ask you both this here because I'm forgetting with the new the new uh schedule for MotoGP and all MotoGP Q2 is decided now after yes. P2. What's the situation with the Moto3 and the Moto2 riders now? Do they have tomorrow morning still to get into Q2 or is this now decided like MotoGP? It's exactly the same as last season so they they still have the two morning sessions to um, get their last Spots in Q2. Right. Okay. So there is still time for the likes of Anchu, Suzuki, and Masia to, yeah. to make their way into Q2. Okay. Yeah, they've got something gross. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the, the MotoGP boys. But really, one. Uh, Masia's always been one that's confused me. And I'm, I'm going to talk about him briefly. He's been in some very top squads. It's his second time in the Leopard squad. And they are. Over the years, they've been an incredible team in Moto3. They've taken the likes of Danny Kent to uh, to Moto3 titles, and really, he's just one that never seems to click in a in in these top Moto3 squads. Uh, spent two years with the IO team in Moto3, and they are one of, if not the best squad in Moto3 at the moment. And he could only manage a, a fourth place in the championship, which is still good, but. Back in Leopard, and honestly, Dawn Messia, what do you think? Championship potential, or do you think he'll always be one that just lacks that little bit to win a title? 
yeah, I think he's always going to be the bridesmaid of Moto3, definitely. Like you say, he's been in such good teams, and if you can't produce it then, I mean, it will be interesting to see what he can do with Leopardo Racing, but no, he wouldn't be my tip for the championship this year. Hmm. Jack, I guess Suzuki might be a, a, a similar one, maybe, with his... Uh, he has now done... He is in his second season with the Leopard squad, finished seventh last year, uh, I guess adapting to the new team last year. Do you think Suzuki would be more likely to win the title than Messiah? Uh, I don't really know. Suzuki, we've seen his raw pace and he can pull out some really fast lap times. Uh, I think with Suzuki, it's just general inconsistency he struggles with. Like He'll most likely end up on the floor when he has a chance of victory. With Masia, they talked about him when talking to Nicky Ayo, his crew chief from the last couple of seasons, and how during when he won in Le Mans, they expect him to go to Mijalo with this free headspace. Now he's you know a championship contender and maybe go on, but then instead they got this character that was a bit odd and they could never fix his head really. So there's something that must be an area of weakness that Masia struggles with. So whether he needs some kind of um, psychologist or something, I don't know. But he, it's, a, it's a puzzling one for Messier and for Suzuki. But Leopard are good. They're a well-established team. Probably the best Honda on the grid you can find. So there's no excuse why any, both of them can't be championship contenders. Yeah, I think you've put out quite well there with the, the no excuse for, for either of them uh, to be outside of a championship fight. Yeah. Uh... I'll open it up to you both at a moment. Is there any uh, riders that stood out to you today as overperformers or underperformers in the, the Moto3 class? Uh, it fell on. I think hmm. we, we, saw, we, we, we had like Gintoli up last season constantly saying he's got that list of a lot of talent and everything. And unfortunately, he's gone to CRP team on the KTM and unfortunately it's just not worked at all at the moment. So... I'm hoping for his sake he could uh, do better. As well as for Roli, I was expecting, given where um, David Alonso and Rueda have been, you expect for Roli, he was fighting with them in Rebel Rookies. You expect him to be sort of in line with where they are. But apart from that, I think everyone's... Oh, maybe Romano Fanati as well. Yeah, Romano Fanati back in Moto3. But... Definitely the most experienced Moto3 rider on the on the grid at the moment. Uh, 21st place today. Falon, like you mentioned, down in 28th. 2.3 seconds off pace. Really not where you'd expect a rider like Falon to be. Uh, Dawn, anyone else that, that catches your eye in the, the Moto3 grid? Um, I was just, like, just seeing Josh Watley. I did expect him to be a bit further up on where you think he's been beaten by the two new rookies. Um, so a bit disappointed with him, really. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair statement. I think Rueda and uh, Alonso, we've mentioned them both, both rookies. Uh, Gas, Gas, Aspar and KTM IO squad, 15th and 16th place, uh, a strong opening day for them. Uh, Moto2 now. And I know, uh, I, I think Jack will be pretty happy with who tops uh, Moto2 today. I'll, I'll let you speak about uh, Pedro Acosta Jack and his opening day of the 2023 season. Yeah, it's strong, really good race pace in both sessions. He just, I don't know why, but the last sector, Jake Dixon, seems to be extremely strong. I don't know what he does, but compared to everyone, Jake's blowing him out of the water. But 
hit the, the Costa and Dixon have been extremely strong in both sessions. Clear, fastest out of all, all the riders. So at the moment, it's looking like it's going to be a race between those two. And you'd probably put your money on a Costa winning just purely based on the fact that we know that the Costa's won races before and Jake's still searching for that victory. And you just don't fully know what will happen until uh, the lights go out. Yeah, Dawn, uh, Jack's just talked about Jake Dixon there, and I'll go to you to speak about one of the the Brit- one of the three British riders in Moto Two this year. Jake Dixon's chances this year and uh, this weekend. What are your thoughts after putting in a, a very strong opening day today? Yeah, I think uh, we could might see, uh, we might see that Jake get his first win this weekend. Going off today's performance, anyway, he did have a little off, but that was just a tip off. Um, but no, very strong, positive performance. Yeah, strong opening day for both Acosta and Dixon, and I think uh, I, I won't ask you this yet, Jack, but I can I can make a strong guess that Jack's probably got Acosta down as his Moto Two Championship winner, and he started the 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 year off well for for that as well. Uh, moving on to another Brit, I'll look down to Sam Lowe's in fifth place, and I've liked how Sam started. He's come back from a, an injury at the British Grand Prix that never really seemed to to set right for the rest of last season, and Really, it was a it was a horrid year last year for Sam. I think I, I heard earlier them saying he only finished in the points about five times throughout the whole of last season, which really for Sam is is unheard of from some of the years he's had recently where he has been a championship challenger, and there's no denying it. I know some people uh, take the mick out of Sam for how much he does crash, but he has been in strong form recently uh, in past years before 2022, and uh, maybe we have that Sam Lowe's back and... He's up there in fifth place, and he was saying in the paddock to, to some journalists that he's quietly confident about his chances this year, but obviously he will have to beat the likes of Dixon and Acosta. Uh, Dawn will go to his, his teammate, Tony Arbellino, a, a well-liked character in the, the MotoGP paddock, uh, up in fourth place. What have you thought of the Mark VDS Racing Team's uh, opening day with a fourth and a fifth? Very good, strong performance, and I think... Definitely Tony is a championship contender. Um, really pleased with how Sam's gone on. And he's got that saying, that, you know, a fit Sam is a fast Sam. Because I do definitely think he's coming in 100% fit. So he'll be giving it everything. So it'll be really inter- interesting to see what he can do come race day. But, you know, very strong performance from that team. Hmm. Uh, we'll go to our, our other British rider now. While we've talked about uh, Dixon and Lowe's. We'll look down to Rory Skinner, who... Really, he's in 25th after today, but honestly, I think that's quite a strong opening day for, for Skinner. It's about sort of where I'd expect him to be. He's in the ballpark with Lorenzo Dalla Porta and Tulovic. Jack, what did you make of uh, Rory Skinner and his debut with the American racing team? Yeah, so he hasn't um, he's just done it the right way, not done taking too many risks, making sure everything's working. I mean, he's beating Tulovic, who... I really expected him to be at least in the top 15 at worst. So, yeah, the fact that he's in front of um, a guy like Tulovic, that's good. Um, and he's not too far from the likes of Garcia. So, it's a, it's been an okay day for Rory. Just hopefully he can start making more steps, um, the more sessions he does in that Calyx. Yeah, Dawn, I'll ask you as well, because I know uh, we're all Rory Skinner fans coming from the BSB paddock. What what have you made of, of Rory's arrival into Moto2 today? 
yeah, very strong. And like I say, we do expect him to be sort of around the 24th, 25th place. And I was looking, he's in his beat, um, Nazani, who's a world, he's been running around the world, superbike guys, and he's beat him. So he's doing everything he needs to. It's going to be a learning year, but Rory's a very good rider. So it won't take him long to keep improving each week. I'll ask you this, actually. what what From this weekend, looking forward to Sunday, what would you say would be a, a good result for, for Skinner from this weekend in Portimao? If I think if he could get sort of 16th, 17th along them lines, I think they'd be, the team would be made up with that. Jack, I'll ask you the, the same question. Skinner, on Sunday, what would be a good result for you, for, for the young Brit? I'd say top 20. Yeah, I'll agree with you there, Jack, actually. I think if he can, because I think in his wild cards that he did last year in Austria and Silverstone, he was 21st in both of those, I think. Mm-hmm. So a top 20 would be his best result. And if he can be around Sean Dylan Kelly, his teammate, who has already a year of experience in Moto2, then I think that would be an even better start to, to Rory's year. And I know we all wish him luck for the season. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I, I hope to see him. Uh, progress as the year goes on and become a star in Moto2, like where Dixon and Sam Lowe's are at the moment. Yeah. Um, let's go back up towards the, the sharp end of the field. And Man- Manuel Gonzalez, a rider that I quite like, a rider that I think is very talented, come from a super sport sort of route. Uh, seventh place today on a bike that I think is potentially the worst looking one on the grid. I'm I'm not a fan of the colours. Uh, it's just not it's not the look for me. Uh, Jack, what have you thought of of Gonzalez's opening day? Yeah, Gonzalez. He's been strong. He's he finished the last season strong. He's really strong in all of his super sport career. So it's not surprising the top seven. But I will agree with you that I don't know who decided that the whole bike needed to be yellow in where it was white last season. But the fact they went for some sort of mustard yellow, like I said, like the Rossi yellow, is a very bizarre choice but uh, apart from that I think the the bike's looking quite good yeah good good performance wise not appearance wise I think the uh, the best way to say it um yeah what who who, who is his teammate this year ah yeah Mazzini course yeah down towards the bottom end coming over from world super bikes uh we'll go to the the speed up boys two that I think have got a lot of potential coming into this year with Alonso Lopez and Firmino de Gare. Dawn, what have you made of uh, both Lopez and Aldegar, who are 8th and 10th after the opening day? They're, they're looking strong. Yeah, very strong opening day. I think um, Alonso, did he have an off? I think he might have done. I can't remember what yeah. yeah, so finishing 8th, um, done very well. Yeah, very strong performance. Yeah, I think them are two that you can look out for, definitely podium contenders. Jack, the speed up boys this year, both very talented riders, both got a lot of potential. What can what do you expect to see from Aldegar and Lopez individually? Uh well we saw Alonso last season, he was very strong, outshone his team out to the surprise of everyone, I think. Uh given their history in the junior GP paddock. But I think if uh Aldegar can just um well he's going back to Termas next weekend and if he can rekindle that form he had there last season and use that momentum. There's no reason why him and Alonso can become championship contenders. I think Alonso was the second most scoring rider at the end of last season, or third. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a 
been a good start to the weekend. Top 10 for a pair of them. We just know that speed up chassis, Bosco Scoro chassis, can be a little bit fickle at times. So they've just got to make sure to bring out the most points they can and extract when that bike will be the best out on the circuit. Yeah, it it really works well around some circuits, and then you can see that it doesn't work well well around others, unlike the Calyx, which seems to work everywhere. But um, a rider that I have just remembered who isn't there this weekend that we do need to mention is Ayagura, uh, a championship favourite for sure for some for some people. Um, absent this weekend due to injury. Uh, I'm not too sure his injury is. Jack Dawn, have you? Do you have any more on what? It's a, I think it's a wrist. It's injury. a wrist injury he picked up from Rocco's Ranch in early in early March. Right, so that explains why he wasn't at the test the other day as well. Because I know yeah. me, I know we were all looking at that a bit confused as why I wasn't there. Um, but hopefully he's he's back and fit for the the next couple of rounds because he's a strong rider. But his teammate is someone I wanted to speak about. Uh, I'm not sure what to think of Chantra's opening day because he is one that is <laughs> really. I guess inconsistent is a good way to put it at some points. He likes to be on the podium, and when he's not, he normally seems to crash, in my opinion. Uh, Jack, 14th for Chantra today. What, was I, Am I a bit, bit harsh on, on Chantra, or do you think that's sort of where you'd expect him to be? Well, in the morning, he looked very strong. He came out of the box, top three. And then in the afternoon session, I do believe he crashed, so that might be a cause to why that happened, but... I think with Chantry, you've just got to wait till qualifying to find out which Chantry will turn up. But if Chantry's on form, good chance he could get a top five podium or even a race win. Yeah, okay. But fair enough with the, the thoughts of uh, Chantra, the only uh, the only Idemitsu Honda Team Asia rider there this weekend. And uh, let's do a bit of a rookie roundup, shall we, of who's coming to the Moto2 Championship and where they're at today. Darren Binder. Feels weird saying he's a rookie in Moto Two since he was in Moto GP last year, but really he has taken a step back with the Liquid Molly Husqvarna Intact GP squad and sixteenth uh, today in his opening day. Not, it's not you know it's sort of about really where he would have been in Moto GP, but it's his first it's his first day in Moto Two, and I think he has the the ability. We've seen it in Moto GP to to step up and uh, become a good Moto Two rider. Uh, but at the moment, not not a great start. Um, who else is a rookie? Dennis Fodger down in twentieth place makes a step up from Leopard to Ital Trans. Sergio Garcia, uh, a rookie that I like the the potential of in Moto Two now with the Pons team, a teammate to Aaron Kinnett. and Tulovic. We've mentioned down in twenty sixth. Pizzani we've mentioned down in twenty seventh, and Skinner we've already spoke about. So I'll open it up to you both again. Is there anyone in the, the Moto2 field that caught your eye today or underperformed, I guess? Uh, the one that didn't that caught no one's eyes was uh, Ifan Guevara because he's not there mm, uh, due to his arm pump and wrist injuries, which is not the way he would have just wanted to start his Moto2 career. But um, I'm sure when he get if he can be fully fit, whether that's for Texas or his home run in Haref, I'm sure he'll be... Well, so he'll be on the back foot because he'll have a lot less knowledge than he should do by that point. But I've no doubt with Ifan, he can uh, he can he'll be able to turn that around. Yeah, you've you mentioned that quite well. I completely forgot there for a second that he was uh he was injured. So thank you very much there, Jack. Um, yeah, not not a great start for the reigning Moto Three champion, is it, Dawn? Uh, 
obviously he is going to be out for a little while we've seen because Jordi Torres has come in to replace him and he did an, an okay job today Torres you know don't really expect him to be up there he hasn't been in Moto2 for a long time what are your thoughts on Guevara with the injury and maybe how this will hinder his confidence potentially going into his first Moto2 season yeah, I think it will blow um, his confidence, def- definitely. After such a strong year in the Moto3 Championship last year, and it's just so unfortunate that this has happened to him. But then again, there's a lot of rounds. Get his injuries out of the way now and get fitter, and we'll see what, what he can do in Moto2 in, in the next couple of rounds, hopefully. Yeah, it really is, I guess, like we said with Skinner and all the other rookies. It's a learning year for Guevara. Still very young, very talented. Um confidence will most likely take a knock but I think he knows that he is something special really as a rider so I think it won't damage him too much uh I think it's time we move on to the big boys with the MotoGP bikes and uh I'll say this now I I said it to you guys as soon as we we started speaking just after the session I did not expect to sit here this evening and say this Jack Miller has ended day one at Portimao on top for He's, he is at KTM. He's not on a, a Ducati still. He's made the move to the Red Bull KTM factory racing team and really <laughs> has shocked me. I'm not sure about you guys, but I was not expecting to see the, the Australian uh, at the top end. Jack, I'll, I'll ask you about this where, uh, you know, Red Bull KTM with the uh, the Moto E, the Moto E uh, team. What, what did you think of Jack Miller's opening day at Putnam out? I did not see it coming at all. Um... Because the KTM notoriously is bad at qualifying. It's notoriously likes the hard front tyre. And Jack Miller threw all those theories out the window. Could he use a soft front tyre? He was he broke the lap record. He was a tenth faster than Vignal. Well, maybe not tenth, but you know, he was tenth faster than Peco. Under the lap record by... Um, well, he was two tenths under Peco's former lap record and uh, one second faster than the original lap record. And... It, it just sort of came out of nowhere. You know, he was didn't set a fantastic time throughout any of the testing, didn't set a fantastic time through this morning session, and then just pulled out. And I have absolutely no idea where that came from at all. Dawn, I'll, uh, I'll come to you as well, because I think we all might be big fans of Jack Miller. He's a, he is a character, that's for sure. Definitely. The move from Ducati to KTM, a lot of people doubted it. A lot of people have said, oh, it's not going to work, you know. But Jack Miller, it shows his raw ability. He has talent, and a lot of people have knocked him over the years. But would this have put some of the the, the doubters, maybe made them a little quiet tonight? Oh, yes, definitely. And the fact that Jack's moved over to KTM, yeah, it, it's a good move for him. But not necessarily the, the move he wanted perhaps to make. He wanted to stay with Ducati. So... Yeah, he, he'll sleep well tonight, definitely, knowing that he's got on that bike. He obviously feels comfortable. He's comfortable with the circuit. And he's just in a really good place at the moment because congratulations, is going to be a dad in September. So everything's perhaps just falling into place for him now. He's in a good headspace. Yeah, Jack, uh, yeah, he's now a married man. He's got a kid on the way. And his his wife looked very happy as well in the, in the pit box after Jack Miller went, finished the session on top. And uh, really, you look down and you look where the other KTMs are. And normally you see Brad Binder isn't a one-lap man, but normally he is the sort of the top man for, for KTM, has been for a couple of years now. It's either him or Oliveira. Obviously, Oliveira has left. Um, 
Binder down at 18th, his teammate, and the new Gas Gas uh, branded KTMs of Augusto Fernandez in 16th, which good going, I think, actually, for Fernandez. Uh, had a had an off at some point today, I believe, and Paul Espargaro down in 22nd after his off in, in practice two. Jack, what have you made of the, the KTM bikes other than Jack Miller today? Sort of where you'd expect them to be? or um, Well, in terms of Brad, I would... If you said that before, I knew he was a little bit injured. I wouldn't. Have, I would have said no. But given he's coming off a what seems to be the same corner as a same sort of crash that Martin had a couple of years ago, he, and he's a bit stiff. Him being around about eighteenth, nineteenth is sort of where you'd expect. For Paul, um, he was reporting to have sort of um, strange feelings with the rear of the bike, which caused both of his crashes, I believe. So. That will also need, need to be reviewed, but yeah, I was I was impressed with uh, with Augusto because you know sixteenth being the second best KTM on the grid, I was not expecting that at all, given especially how Remy and Raul fared last season. So I'd say for Augusto, he's definitely probably been the he's probably the one who's outperformed, um, who's the best outperformer, I'd say. Yeah, definitely outperforms where a lot of people thought he would be, and especially where I thought he'd be after today, where he's a rookie on a KTM, which normally doesn't go very well. Um, you mentioned him earlier, Jack. We'll go to Maverick Vinales. Normally a bit of a testing hero, a bit of a Friday man, and a bit of a Saturday man. Doesn't really ever show up on a Sunday, really, for race days. Uh, maybe fitting into that same old routine at the moment with pulling out that one fast lap today. Second place, 0.037 seconds behind Jack Miller. Dawn, Maverick Vinales going into the season. Still going to be a bit of a, a Friday and Saturday man. Maybe not the sprint races because he's never really been good at the start. Yeah, like you say, you'd expect him to be um, in the top 10, definitely. And the commentators both said that they think that this year he's got to pull something out of the bag. It's okay doing well on a Friday or a Saturday morning, but come the two races, he's got to be up there and he doesn't like getting into a scrap. But and I think in the sprint race, I think you're going to have to. So a bit of a question mark over Maverick for me until, until I see how he performs tomorrow and Sunday. Yeah, uh, Jack, we'll go, to, we'll go to you to talk a little bit about the Ducatis because there's, a, there's three in a row now with Pecco in third, Marini in fourth, and Martin in fifth. Really, it's where you'd expect the Ducatis to be. There are one, two, three, four, five, six inside the top ten. Sort of what you'd expect from Ducati today? Yeah, I'm not surprised in the slightest. I was, I was a little bit surprised that Alex Marquez wasn't in the top ten, given this morning as well, and how he's fed in the test, but... The the we've had all the factory Pramaco and VR forty six riders in the top ten. Not surprised. Peko, um, I was very impressed with his save as well at the last corner. But it seemed like Peko just set his lap time the perfect point before his bike cut out for whatever reason. And I was I was also impressed with Luca Marini as well, crashing on a really fast lap, returning to the box, getting on his second bike, and then going even faster than he was going beforehand. So I think we're looking at a very scary prospect that we could be seeing Ducati's dominance again. But uh, yeah, you know, Mar- you know, Martin, he's going to be one to watch tomorrow because we, we, we've since since he since his motor three days, he's been an absolute weapon when it comes to qualifying laps. 
So I think Martin's definitely one of the hot favourites for qualifying and sprint races this year. Yeah, Martin definitely looking strong. And if he can stay on the bike, then yeah, he's definitely one of the favourites for the sprint races. Uh, Dawn, we'll go to the only Japanese manufacturer to get into the top 10, which Jack pointed out to me beforehand. Fabio Quattararo finished the day in sixth place. Uh, the only Yamaha in the top 10. Honda didn't feature at all in the top 10. What have you made of uh, of Fabio's opening day? About where you'd expect for sixth? Or did you expect him to maybe struggle a little bit more? Yeah, I, I expected him just to sneak inside the top 10. Um, he just seems to be going around and doing his job. And like, again, you expect him to do more come the races. But they're definitely not as strong as he has been in previous seasons. So it's just a case of watching the space, I think, to see what he can do. Mm. Well, um, we'll leave Honda to last because I think they're quite an interesting, interesting topic. Uh, we'll go to Aprilia now. Obviously, four bikes on the grid now for Aprilia. Yamaha now only have two after losing their satellite team to Aprilia. Uh, we'll go with the factory boys. We spoke a little bit about Vinales in second. Uh, Alicia Spargro in ninth. Sort of a bit lower than I'd expect. He scraped into the top ten, but he did have to see his brother getting treated and taken away in an ambulance. So maybe that played on his his mind a little bit towards the end of the day. Maybe didn't help him put in that that one fast time attack. So hopefully, uh, after you know uh, speaking to his brother, who I've just read is is still conscious and has been transferred to hospital. Um, hopefully, he'll speak to him tonight, calm his nerves a bit about his brother's situation. He'll come back tomorrow and put in a good lap in qualifying and put in a good show on the in the sprint races. And uh, really the satellite boys, uh, Oliveira and Fernandez, both crashed towards the end of the session, about the same time that Paul did in practice two. Jack, what have you thought of Ralph Fernandez and Miguel Oliveira? Really the opposite way around to where I thought they'd be. Fernandez in 17th and Oliveira in 19th. Yeah, I think it's just been a fact, the fact that... that um... The pair of them just, it seemed like when they're about to pull a fast lap in, something could go wrong, whether that be yellow flags or crashing themselves. You name it, something went wrong for them. And I think I think um, Oliveira ended up in the gravel twice today. So, yeah, it's not what they would have wanted, but it's... Um, we definitely have to wait for tomorrow, because I think tomorrow we'll get a better understanding if they can actually do a, a, a clean lap and see what... We know the potential of those two is extremely strong. Uh, so, I think the and the RNF team, when they are at a happy camp, they can be extremely competitive as well. So, um, I'm expecting them to climb up the order. And when speaking about um, Alish, I think I'm gonna it, one thing to point out is is the fact that they are going over a second faster than the previous lap record. So, and Alish has gone half a second under. So it's not like he's slow or. He's miles off the pace. It's just the fact that everyone's jumped so far to what the the previous record was. And probably, obviously, his brother being in hospital would have probably played on his mind. But I don't think Kalei should be too bothered about being in ninth place. But I think Caprilli are in a good place. And they'll have more data than normal. So can't see why. You know, it could be an Aprilia. You know, could have two Aprilis in the top five come Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, that is true, obviously. I, I, I completely forget, really, when you look at the times, how much quicker they are going this year compared to where the lap records had been. So when you put it into the gap context, really elacious about where you'd sort of expect them to be. Um, Let's go to Honda. And I think 
they are one that a lot of people have spoken about in preseason. We spoke about them in preseason, and they're still a talking point. In my opinion, they still look lost compared to other manufacturers. 12th for Joanne Mia, 13th for Alex Rins, uh, both rookies to a Honda. And Mark Marquez took a tumble at the end of practice two in 14th, and Takanakagami in 15th. Dawn, Honda, they uh, potentially still a bit lost at sea, really, on what direction to go? Yes, definitely. The, through, all throughout testing, they seem to have the same problems, and it seems that they're bringing the problems straight into round one. The only saving they've got, as we all know what Mark Marquez is like, and that come race day, he'll give it his all, and you know he's going to be up there at the front. So I suppose that's the only thing they've got going for them at the moment. Uh, Jack, John Mia was up in was up in second in practice one and ahead of Mark Marquez. Uh, what do you think on on Honda's situation? Potentially something that needs to develop throughout the season, and we won't see the best of of Honda until towards the end of the season. Or do you think Mark Marquez, like in previous years, he will be their their saving grace? Well, I think Marquez will have to be you know have to part all the stops in the race. But one thing I find absolutely incredible is. Me, Rins and Marquez are all, all three of them completely different chassis. And at the end of day one, they're, they're only separated by 25 thousandths of a second. So it's all, it's, it's, every, it's all, that's the sort of confusion Honda are in right now, where they've got all these differences and they're pushing all these differences. And come the end of it, the lap time is exactly the same, pretty much. So you sort of just question how, when the bike, when free bikes can be quite different, how can they produce the same lap time? So, yeah, it's a real head scratcher for them all. I think the fact that Mir and Rins have managed to outperform Marquez is quite impressive, given their lack of time on the on the bike. But we, of course, we'll have to see tomorrow. I've um, I've no doubt Mark will once again try and find a. T- I imagine he'll try and tow his get a tow off his brother out of all of them. But uh, yeah, it's just Honda are just. It's a whole head scratcher at the moment. Yeah, uh, Honda head scratcher, probably the best way to put it. And you've you summed it up very well, Jack. Um, going into, let's go on to our predictions, which for me were were some head scratchers that Jack kindly wrote out these uh, topics for us to to make predictions on for for this season. And uh, I think we'll we'll make our way through the categories. We'll start at the bottom with with the the Moto Three class, a, a very unpredictable class. So these predictions. I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm going to put that straight out there now. And uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's focus on this weekend at first. We'll talk who we think our our winner at Portimao is going to be. Uh, Dawn, who have you got down as your winner for the Portimao Portuguese Grand Prix? Sasaki. Any re- any reason why or? No, not really. I just. Just got a feeling when I was looking at all the names and everything, I thought he's going to win race one. <laughs> that seems, I think that's how a lot of this is going to be for Moto3. Uh, Jack, who's winning at Portimao and why? Sasaki, because he's the most experienced, he was the strongest last season, he's in the same squad, and he just looked really strong in race pace wise. And you just know, come race day, he'll be there. And the fact he's won races now, there's no reason why he will almost, you know, make a costly mistake. So, Ayumu. You'll never guess who I've got as my race winner for Portimao. <laughs> I have gone with 
Sasaki. Yay! <laughs> it, uh, very much the same reason as Jack. He's he's a race winner in the past, very experienced now. So I I, I think we'll see him on the top step. Um, we'll look more towards the the championship standings, and we'll go our dog our dog our dark horse for the season. Uh, Dawn, we'll go to you first again. Who do you think is the dark horse in the Moto Three field? Uh, I've got Holgado as my dark horse. Hmm. I think he's going to do well. Yeah, we spoke about Holgado earlier. Yeah. Top of the sessions today. Uh, Jack, we'll go over to you. Dark horse. Oh, I'm going with with um, Joel Kelser. Right, the Australian one that Jack yeah. Miller picked, and yeah, he's got good. He's got good uh, potential. He's in a good team, and the fact that um, Chris, the MotoGP sport rider, likes him, so I'll back him. Fair enough. Got to, got to back your your friends' choices, and I'll, I've gone with Ortola as my choice. So we've gone all different on this one. So that's a good start. I think he's. This was picked before today. I'm going to say as well. He he, he did well today, so he's he's backing up my choice. Uh, let's go to we, we we talked about them a bit, but Jack, you've put them in as our predictions. Uh. Scott and Josh on how they're going to get on this season. Uh, pretty hard one to predict, I think. But Dawn, we'll we'll go with with where you think roughly they should be at the end of the year. I think Scott, if he starts getting good results, I think his his confidence will be sky high, and I think he will get inside the top ten definitely and and push closer perhaps to the top five. Josh, I I just don't know. But like I say, he needs to get some results to get his confidence going again. And um, I don't really know with Josh, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack, your your thoughts on where the, the British boys should be in Moto3 at the end of the year? Scott, I think he'll be top 10, given he stays injury-free and he can stay on the, on the form he's currently at. I can't see why he can't get top 10. I do think Josh will score his first points this season. I think it's more likely to happen in a wet race than a dry race, but I'm confident in Josh that he can score his first points in his uh, Grand Prix career. Yeah, I'll agree with you both. I think Scott towards the top, uh, getting some top tens this season, and Watley will 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 score points, but I don't think it'll be very regular. Um, moving on from the Brits, we'll look at our Rookie of the Year for the Moto Three uh, category, and I think this is quite a tough one to predict. Well, Moto Three is tough to predict, but. Really, with the, the the talent that we've got there uh, now in the rookies, Dawn, who have you gone for as your rookie of the year in Moto Three? I've gone for uh, Rueda. Okay, uh, joining the IO squad. Any reason why over like Alonso or? No, I remember watching him last year, and he was strong then. And I just, and especially, I'm glad I, you know, he's he's had a good performance today. So I'm glad I've actually picked him. So yeah, Rueda for me. Jack, who have you gone for as your rookie? Yeah. Rueda. <laughs> ah, we've got another clean sweep for a for a rookie <laughs> of the year. Um, I think uh, that maybe sums it up for Rueda that we we all think he's going to be rookie of the year. Jack, what what are your your reasonings behind Rueda? Well, I watched him in junior GP and Rebel rookies, and he was the clear standout talent out of them all. He's in the in probably everyone's opinion the best squad. He's got a very he's got a very experienced team around him, very experienced teammate now, and um, I've no doubt he'll win a race this season. Where I don't know, could win multiple, 
don't think he'll quite win a championship, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's top five at the end of the season. Yeah, I think that sums up again pretty well what where we think Rueda will be and our champion. This will be, I think, interesting on, on who we've got and hopefully we haven't all gone for the same person again. Uh, Dawn, your thoughts for the Moto3 world champion come the end of 2023? Aren't you? What, what any reasoning behind why why aren't you? I just think he you know, he was quite strong last year and I just really think that he might over the, the winter season, a lot of training with his brother, etc. I just think he's gonna come in really strong and get a little bit of luck on his side as well. I think he could do it this year. And Jack, your thoughts on the Moto Free champion. Are you Musasaki? Yumi Sasaki, your your reasoning behind the Japanese rider being your your choice? He's in the same squad as last season. He was he's he was the best of the rest last season, and we saw from from the moment he he won in Austria, he was generally one of the only ones who could stop uh, uh, Guevara or Garcia or Foggia. So I'm just going to go with Sasaki. Yeah, and I'll, I'll join you on that choice. I think Sasaki as well. I've 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 done a prediction video on on YouTube with uh, Rob GP, and he asked me this question as well. And Sasaki was my choice then, and I'm going to stick with my guns and 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 stick with a Yumu. Uh, let's move on to Moto Two, the the middleweight class, and we'll go in again at the winner at Portimao. And Jack, I'll go to you first because I think I know who who yeah. you've put down for this. Yeah, Acosta. Uh, do I, do I need to ask why Acosta, or does it does it sum up he's, today? He just, he just looks the strongest, and he's the favourite, so it's, it's sort of a no-brainer. Yeah, Dawn, have you gone with Pedro Acosta for the winner at Portimao? No, I've gone for Jake Dixon. Oh, you're back in the the British rider. Why have you yeah. gone with Jake over Acosta? I just think that he, you know, he's got good uh, performance. He likes Portimao, and I think he's going to come in all guns blazing. And if he can stay on, fingers crossed, I think he could win on, on Sunday. Yeah, I, I've I've agreed with Jack again, and I've gone with Pedro Acosta. I've gone over over Jake Dixon. I do like Jake, but I think Pedro's got that, that killer instinct in him and uh, will will make a pass where there probably isn't one available. Um, we'll go on to our dark horse again. Our dark horse for the Moto2 Championship, Dawn. Who have you gone for for this one? I've gone for Chantra for this one. Okay. Any reason why you've you've gone with Chantra over uh, some other riders who maybe haven't won a race yet? I just think that um, he's quite consistent. So he could just be the dark horse, not necessarily going to win every race, but he will be up there and just collect the points and just to be enough to perhaps come in and sneak the championship. Jack, who have you gone with as your dark horse for Moto2? Manu Gonzalez. Oh, that, that's an interesting one. Please, go on, tell us why you've gone with, with Gonzalez. Well, I remember just watching him in Super Sports in the 600s, and once he figured out how that bike worked, he was one of the ones who could stop Domi Agata. Only on a few occasions, but he could stop Domi. And last season, he was getting top fives, and he was strong today, and it's just like, you can see the talents there. I just hope that team... I mean, it's got the VL46 team. It's, you know, it's got the VL46 and Yamaha influence in it. So I'm just hoping that they can make, they can just fit the final pieces in the puzzle and Manu can get his 
I, I think Manu can win a race this season. Well, we've all gone with uh, different riders. Our dark horses in Moto3, and we've done it again in Moto2. I've gone with Philip Salach. I like Salach. I've liked him since he was in Moto3. I, I'm glad when he stepped up to Moto2. Bit of a rough year last year, but I think this year could be a strong year for Salach. He's uh, stayed with the Grassini squad. And yeah, I, I just I just like him as a rider, and uh, I hope to see him do well. Um, Sam, Jake, and Rory. Three riders who could have very different seasons. So I think it would be probably best if we ask about each separately. And we'll start with Rory, where he's a rookie. What would be a good year come the end of the year for Rory, Dawn? If he could sort of get around end the year 15th, 16th place, I think he'd be really pleased. That it's obviously going to be a, year, a learning year, the circuits, the team, the bike. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say if he could get... 15th, 16th, or a little bit higher, that would be amazing for Rory. Jack, what are your, your expectations for Rory this year? I've gone top 20, but I, if he gets any higher, uh, I, I won't be surprised. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Jack, actually. I think a top 20 in, in the championship would be a solid year for Rory, and especially if you can pick up points at, at least... How many rounds are there a season? Like 22 or something? If if 21. 21 rounds a season. If Rory can pick up points at just under half, then that would be a very good year for, for Rory, I think. Uh, we'll go on to Sam after his awful 2022. Dawn, where do you expect to see Sam Lowe's come the end of 2023? I'd say third. I think around about third, fourth. And like you say, I think it's just a fitness thing with Sam. If he can, if he can stay fit, no crashing, then it, I think he could be a force to be reckoned with. But it just depends on. I think he's he's battling against himself most of the time. But yeah, I'd, I'd say third, fourth. Jack Sam Lowe's end of twenty twenty three. Where where do you see where do you see him being? Assuming he has a full injury free season, I've gone for top six. Where the top six, I have no idea because there's so many riders who can finish inside the top six. But uh, I'll be very surprised if, if Sam has gone the whole season to injury free. If he's outside the top six, that's not a good season. Yeah, uh, uh, Sam's a difficult one with injuries and he's been injured in the past and that is a rough part. But I, I'm going to go top five. I think if Sam can stay fit all season long, then I, I, I'd like to see him in the top five. Um, Jake Dixon. I think personally, he's going to be the, the the best performing Brit this season in in Moto Two. Dawn, where do you see uh, Jake being at the, at the end of the year? Um, well, I've actually got him for winning the championship, so I better say um, at the top, really. And I, I just think it's just a confidence thing with him. And like you say, if he can get that first win this weekend, I just think there'll be no stopping him. Jack, Jake Dixon, title winner, yes or no? I'd say it could happen, but I don't think it will happen. But top five, you know, the only thing, the only problem really with Jake is it's just you'll just make a small error at the most costly of times. So if you can just iron that out, so he could he could finish top three in the championship. Yeah, I've I've gone with Dixon top three is where I think I think he'll be just about just outside the 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 top five and he won't win the title. Um, let's move on to our 
our rookies. And again, an interesting one with some good quality rookies coming in. Uh, Dawn, who have you got down as your rookie of the year for Moto2? I've gone for Foggia. Oh, okay. Why have you gone for the, the Italian? Yeah, I, he's a nice, good, strong rider. And I think as each round, I think he'll he'll get a little bit better. And uh, I think he will finish top rookie. Jack, have you gone? Who, who have you gone with for your Moto2 rookie of the year? Ethan Guevara. Oh, even you sticking with that? Even with More his injury, yes. Okay. Why? Why are you? Why are you sticking with uh, Guevara, even though he is out injured at the moment? Because I feel like once he's injury free, he's got the talent to quickly grasp the class, like um, sort of like what Acosta was like last season. So I'd say second off the season, you know, the Aspar team is extremely strong. And I, I would not be surprised if somewhere like, uh, well, I was going to say Aragon, but they don't go there anymore, do they? <laughs> but, you know, or like a Valencia, we could win at Valencia or something like that. I, I I generally think he can win a race this season. And I think he, out of all the rookies this year, he's got the most talent and is most likely to adapt the best. Hmm. Guevara, rookie of the year. Fajir, rookie of the year. And the other one, I guess, who's come up through Moto3 is one I've gone with, Sergio Garcia. I think he's going to adapt well to Moto2, like a bit like what Jack said for Guevara, minus the injury for, for Garcia. But um, I don't know if he'll be a race winner this year, but I do think he'll adapt well. And yeah, I think we'll see him up towards, at least in in the top 10 and 7 come the end of the year. Uh, The big one, Moto2 champion. Uh, Dawn, we know who yours is. You've gone with Jake Dixon. Jack, uh. Actually, Dawn, tell us what, what, why you think Jake Dixon will be will be champion, because I know some people will, will probably disagree. I just think, again, like I said before, it's just a confidence thing. And once he does get that win, I just think there'll be no stopping him. And I just think he I think it, he can be a very consistent rider, and he loves the team he's in at the moment. And he's in a very good headspace. Um, his wife's just about to have a baby anytime soon, and they really happy and so i think it's going to be a very good year for jake jack moto 2 champion i i think i know you're going to go for yeah, uh, uh, a <laughs> why, why pedro he's in the he's in probably the best squad uh he's remaining in the same team he's probably the strongest rider at the moment and as long as he can say injury free i can't see anybody outperforming him in the long run yeah, it's a good argument for both of them. But I'm going to go with the man who's currently out injured. I think he's going to come back at Termas, hopefully. And I've gone Ayagura. I like I. I think he's a good rider. Very talented. I think it's going to be a scrap between him and the Costa all year long. Uh, made a few mistakes towards the end of last year. Hopefully, we'll have ironed them out. And I think, yeah, it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good battle between maybe the three riders we have picked for the championship all year long. Now, MotoGP, I think this is also quite difficult to pick, but mainly between one constructor, really, for, for most of these. Um, we'll go for the winner of the first sprint race first, because that is happening tomorrow. Uh, very excited for that. Dawn, who have you got down as your winner of the opening sprint race of the season? I've got Martin. Makes sense to me. Jack? Francesco Bagnaia. Oh, okay. You have we haven't got three that have gone for Martin. Then I was worried then for a second. Uh, why have you gone with Bagnaia over like Martin? He's won at Portimao before. 
He looks the strongest Ducati. He's probably in the strong. He's probably in the strongest headspace. I just feel like get on the front row, get a good start, and he sh- and the consistency he showed in the test, and in in practice too. I know Martin's fast, but I just feel like Pecco is more likely to make less mistakes. And plus, Martin's history of Portimao that might just hamper him a tiny little bit. Yeah, um, I, I see what you mean with the Martin and mistakes, but I I have gone Martin as well, like Dawn, and I think probably for the same reason. Pole hound normally in qualifying is known to put it on the front row, and I think his early race pace is normally better than his late race pace because that's normally when his mistakes sort of creep in towards the latter laps. And I think he's going to go on and win the uh, he's going to win the most sprint races this year as well. That's another thing I predicted the other day. And uh, Dawn, I don't know if you agree with the, the the reasons for Martin of being an early race sort of specialist. Yes, definitely. The, the early laps of a normal lengthy race, he's always up there. And halfway through, tends to, whether it's tyre choice or what, but he does drop off the pace slightly. So for a shorter race, he's definitely going to be strong. Yeah. Uh, the winner at Portimao. Dawn, who have you gone for? Pecco. Jack, I'm guessing you've gone with, with Pecco as well. Yeah, I'm going for a double Ducati win of Pecco. And that's a clean sweep for Pecco. Um, so if Pecco doesn't win this weekend in the long race, then that's going to be, yeah, it's going to take some explaining. I think last year as well, Dawn, me and you both predicted Pecco would win the opening race. He then yeah. went and crashed out. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm hoping we haven't gone and jinxed him again. Yeah. Um, number one plate would be good to see him running at the front. Uh, I think our reasoning is probably all the same. Dominated testing. Looked really good today, even though he's in third. I don't really see it going any other way than, than Pecco or a, a Ducati at least. Um, dark horse. There's a few here I think we could put down as dark horse. And I'll go straight to you, Dawn. Who have you got as your dark horse for this year? Uh, Bezeki. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think he's going to come into the championship really strong. He ended it off well last year, so I think he's going to be definitely up there, definitely a top five. Jack, who have you gone with for your, your dark horse in the, the title challenge? Luca Marini. Ooh. Any, uh, any reason you went against Bezeki? Um, just... I feel like Luca is just so calculated and he's he is what well, is very intelligent and I just feel like he's took his time. He's looking really fast and I feel like he's just got something about him that will strive him to to pull off some incredible results out that people people will be surprised by. Yeah, I I can agree with you there. I do think It'll be one of the VR forty six boys as the dark horse, and I've I've agreed with Dawn actually, but I do see your point with with Luca. I just uh, I just think Bez is maybe a little bit more naturally talented than Luca is how I'm going to word it. But both incredible riders, and will definitely be fighting for the top five in the title this year. I think. Um, top independent rider, and I think it's probably going to be another maybe VR forty six crap here or of. Maybe a little bit different. Dawn, who have you gone for? I've gone for Alex Marquez. Oh, that's the top independent. Why, why have you gone with Alex Marquez? Um, I think 
as he's like you say with testing he's done quite well and I just think it's that team I think the team are going to be his missing piece that he's always he's never had with another team so I think the team are going to really bring him on so yeah I think it's going to be Alex Marquez Jack you're uh, not Rocky D yeah sorry independent rider top independent rider Luca Marini yeah, I, I should have seen that coming for your from your last prediction. Why have you same reasoning for Luca? Calm, calculated rider, gonna put in some good, consistent, strong results. Yeah, I just feel like maybe Martin might be a little bit stronger than him, but if you look at Luca's past results, he's only ever crashed once in a race, and that was on a wet race. Wait, his tire probably overheated, and every other he's only retired from one other race, and that was due to mechanical failure. So. Compared to Martin's record, there's like quite a number of crashes. I just feel like at the end of the season, just based on consistency, I think Luca will outperform Martin. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see where you're going with, and I've gone. We've gone Ducati all round, and I think we haven't gone for any other riders under Ducati so far in our predictions. Uh, I'm going to go with Bezaki as well as my dark horse. I think he's going to be top independent, purely the same reasons that I said for dark horse. Maybe a little bit more naturally talented than Luca, and I think he's really going to burst onto the scene this year. Um, Jack, you wrote down MotoGP Rookie of the Year for uh for this one, and uh, I think I know what we're all going to go for for the Rookie of the Year, purely because that that there is only one on the grid. I, I I do believe, and I think we've gone with a clean sweep of Augusto Fernandez. Yep, that's yep. it. He's the one. <laughs> if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year this year, something something's gone wrong. Someone's <laughs> been sacked midway through the year, and someone's come in and done an incredible job to beat. Augusto Fernandez to Rookie yeah. of the Year. Um, MotoGP champion. Dawn, who have you gone for? Who is going to win the most prestigious motorcycle racing title in the world this year? Peko. Why have you gone with Peko Bangaya? Um, Basically because he won it last year, I think. But no, he's... I think he's only going to get stronger. I mean, he had a tough year last year. Like I say, didn't have the best start. Finished uh, the second half of the season immaculately. And I just think he's matured slightly, perhaps over after winning the championship. And I just think, yeah, he's going to have another championship under his belt at the end of the season. Jack, who have you gone for as your MotoGP champion this year? Pekka Bagnaia. Why have you gone with Pekka Bangai? Because last season, second half of the season, he was quite, he was clearly the strongest. Himself and the bike have both made steps, and I think it's, I think with Fabio struggling with the with the bike a little bit, Marco struggling with the bike a bit. I feel like Pekka, it's it's him versus himself sort of way. But I would not, obviously, I'm not saying people can't challenge him because. There's multiple riders who can challenge him for the title, but I just think Paco at the moment he's in the strongest headspace and he seems to be the one who's the most talented with the probably the best package underneath him. Well, I agreed with you both. I think Paco is going to be champion <laughs> again. Um, yeah, this is the first one for a champion we've all agreed on together. Um, I agree with you both for the same reasons you said champion last year confidence is high going into this year i think it would take something meteoric to knock peko off his perch he just like we've said with like jack and jake dixon going to this year 
he just seems to be in this good place at the moment mentally. He's got the number one plate, which Jack, I'm a little bit surprised you went with Peko for purely the number one curse. You seem to to think quite into that in the the MotoGP era at the moment. Um, so you think Peko's going to break the the number one curse actually? Yeah, I just feel like I think it might help that Peko's not that superstitious. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, yeah, one rider doesn't really seem to show any superstitions is Peko, but. I think that really sums up where we're at with MotoGP at the moment. Uh, the only non-Jacati rider we picked was Augusto Fernandez for Rookie of the Year for self-explanatory reasons, where he is the only rookie on the grid at the moment. One could come in if, say, Morbidelli got, got fired midway through the season. Um, but really, I think, uh, other than uh, BSB testing, that will also be happening this weekend at, at Donington Park, uh, Paul Bird Motorsport won't be there, I think I read today, which uh, is a, a bit of a loss for, for BSP testing this weekend. But I think for the MotoGP-wise of stuff, we've we've gone through it all. We've we've talked about who's winning this weekend. Peko's won it. He's won the championship. They might as well give it to him now. Um, if he hasn't, something's gone wrong. Uh, but yeah, I think MotoGP well uncovered. Donington Park testing this weekend for BSB. Dawn, Jack, are you, are you going to be there? Yes, we're both going there mm-hmm. tomorrow. Looking uh, forward to it. Who do you know that's going to be there out of the, the riders and teams? Um, I know that Martrain and Jack Kennedy aren't going to be there. Um, for whatever reasons, um, they aren't going to be there. And I think nearly all the other teams are going mm-hmm. to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only heard that PBM and uh, Martrain aren't going to. So I think it should be a pretty full full house. Okay, cool. Well, I hope you guys have a have a good time uh, down at Donington Park uh, for the testing, and Thank hopefully you. it's better weather than it has been recently. And uh, yeah, fingers I'm crossed. Sh- I'm sure you'll be keeping up with the the MotoGP racing as well, and watching it in the evening after the testing. Uh, but really, I think we're at a, a a good place to to cool time on on episode five of this episode. Thank you both for joining me. I hope you have a good weekend at Donington, and uh, join us next week uh, next week to. Hear our opinions on the opening MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3 races and also the uh, first official British test for the BSB riders at Donington Park. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.